Welcome back. It is filter not included. As always, I am Scotty Big Screen, as joined by Brock the Boss Earl and uh, producer Pappy here in uh, our home studios, I would say, just our home offices, essentially. Uh, we've had a bit of a hiatus here and there, kind of really wonky recording days. Uh, but finally, we're done finals. We're now just moving on to summer jobs and, you know, trying to make a buck here and there. But we got a jam-packed show today. Uh, we've got some draft analysis, a little draft review from the NFL draft that took place Thursday, yesterday, and today. We've got a first month MLB review, see how that's kind of shaken down. What are, who are some shocks? Who are some, uh, who are the good teams or bad teams? And yeah, who, who, who surprised us? And then we also have a nice little story about the Pioneer League and how a home run derby could be deciding baseball games in an independent league in the uh, Northwest United States. And finally, of course, we will have some tire fires. Uh, there's a lot to choose from this week. When it's draft week, there is always going to be a cesspool of things that you can pull from to be a tire fire. And I think Brock has a few of those from the draft. But without further ado, I'm going to toss it off to producer Pappy, who has our opening song for the week. Yeah, it took me a, sec a second, rather, to find uh, this week's song. But this one is from one of my favorite, favorite groups of all time and probably will go into the Cleveland, or in Cleveland, I think it's in Cleveland's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Speaking of Cleveland, that's where the draft was. Uh, this is from 21 Pilots. This is one of their newest songs. This is Choker. I don't bother anyone Nervous when I stand Choking on the circumstance Only smoking second It's not a rap song. It's not. That is, that's a, that is, that's a switch, that's a switch, old switcheroo from our producer Pappy there. Yeah, so it I is. feel like, so you know, Brett's a big, you know, to get him inducted into Cleveland, so maybe he wants the Indians to be called Cleveland Rock, you know, maybe a little uh, dedication to the Cleveland Hall of Fame, but uh, anything but the Indians. <laughs> yes. Who knows? They come out with a more racist name. Maybe that's maybe that's the plan. They just they, that's what their next move is. <laughs> Total reverse. Does, don't even put it in drive. Just yeah. hammer that thing in reverse and hammer the gas. Picks. They're ju they're just thinking. Let's pick something that in forty years has to be is going to be as controversial as when we did the Indians back in twenty twenty one. So the reason why we are talking about Cleveland so much is because that is where the NFL draft is being held this year. It was the first time, I believe, ever that uh, it was held in Cleveland. A lot of storylines to follow and uh, a lot of, as Brock said, tire fires, so many things going on. Uh, I don't have to hide the fact that I'm a fucking Chicago Bears fan anymore, baby. Let's go. Um, so I'm excited. It's been a good, great, honestly, draft weekend. Chuba Hubbard, the, the Sherwood Park native, was just picked uh, while well, we are recording this Saturday. Spoiler alert. But he was just selected in the fourth round by the uh, Carolina Panthers, who he will be behind Christian fucking McCaffrey. So that's pretty cool. Um, but we will get to all that in a bit, fellas. Where should we start, Scotty? What what what's the first thing off the top of your head that just uh, you need to talk about from this draft? Well, so from this draft, uh, the Seahawks didn't have a first round pick, um, but I did love that they advertised that our first round pick was Jamal Adams because that's who we traded the pick for to the Jets. So I thought that was pretty hilarious by the uh, social media team from the Seahawks because it was true. And I think Jamal Adams is going to be paying off for us pretty well because he actually seems happy in Seattle versus, you know, New York was definitely not. Um, 
Yeah, on to, on the Bears' note, they went they went bang bang. Two good picks in the first two rounds. They drafted that old lineman from uh, Oklahoma State, who Hubbard's uh, offensive tackle. Yeah, it's like, and he's just takes the souls from the of defensive line. So, I mean, the Bears got two, the Bears, and what we'll say we can probably all agree in a shocking move went two for two in their first two picks. I would say so. Uh, Fuck, that's they, exciting to hear. And they traded up to get Justin Fields. And so it's not like they traded up to get a quarterback that was like, well, you could have just got him in that spot you originally. And it was like, no, we traded up because he was actually going to go off the board soon. So it was a smart draft up and smart draft choice. I think Fields is going to be one of the better quarterbacks from this class. Uh, just the way that we've said that the NFL is moving. Uh, you need a quarterback that can throw and that can move his feet. Fields is a guy that can do both. Uh, some people say, oh, but like Ohio State quarterbacks haven't panned out. But uh, some people that I've listened to, uh, it actually makes – he's technically not an Ohio State quarterback. He went to Georgia first. So, and Georgia – who, who's a Georgia quarterback that was pretty good? Oh, yeah, Matt Stafford. They, he's okay. He's okay. He's, only, he's a, only one of the best quarterback, most underrated quarterbacks that we've seen in the last – If if that's the logic then, then I'm going – as a Buckeyes fan myself, I'm going to take the logic that Joe Burrow is not an LSU Tiger. He was an Ohio State Buckeye. <laughs> so, maybe with Joe Burrow, number one overall, he, Ohio State Buckeye, you know, Ohio State quarterbacks rule. So, I'll take that one. I'll take – well, Ohio State quarterbacks rule until they're Dwayne Haskins and have no idea how to handle themselves yeah. at the pro level. Dwayne, yeah, Dwayne's a dagger story. <laughs> Joe Burrow uh, transferred out of the uh, Ohio State um, situation because he was stuck behind a quarterback there, ended up being uh, the LSU starting quarterback. And Justin Fields ended up leaving Georgia because he was stuck behind none other than the third string quarterback in Buffalo, Jake Fromm. So with that being said, the draft started to unravel the way that we kind of thought it would. Oh, well, not kind of thought it would. Trevor Lawrence did the formalities sitting at home. Oh, yeah, I got drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. That was. But his dad getting the least amount of couch space. <laughs> biggest person on the couch like it was the most confusing thing i had seen zach wilson goes number two to uh the new york jets he was probably the meme of uh the draft he looked like he was 14 yeah exactly and then at number three san francisco had the entire draft and they started it there and they surprisingly surprisingly to some uh theoretically probably the best move that they could have made there um they decide to take trey lance from ndsu and i know there's a a couple people a lot of people who aren't necessarily the biggest fan of uh this pick uh yeah i wouldn't say that i would have drafted trey lance number three i understand that you predicted trey lance number three which is you know good for you that was bang on um i know but I, you know, it's, it's just tough. I think for a lot of people that, you know, don't pay the closest attention to football, it's like the, hmm, is that really the best choice you're drafting an FCS quarterback in the three overall spot? Like if you're not watching a lot of football, you do not understand the pick of why they're making it. And I mean, again, I just don't watch enough FCS football to understand, like, is this Trey Lance guy who he's all shaped up to be? I had kind of pegged him as more of, he, I think I, I pegged Trey Lance as still a top 10 pick, but not a number three. Like I, I kind of thought that he was going to be picked up at like number eight by the Panthers. I thought they were going to be the ones to take a chance on him. Uh, just based on that, the 49ers drafted all the way up. 
And with, with how they wanted to move up, it was like all signs pointing to, they want to move up because they want to get fields. It looked like it was supposed to be going that way. And then to draft Trey Lance, it was kind of like, well, maybe you didn't have to give up so much draft capital to get Trey Lance. You probably could have just drafted up to a different spot. So I think that's why it's more of a confusing pick to me. Like it, you drafted him at number three when you probably could have gotten him at number eight through 10. But how would they have gotten him when the other chance, the whole time it would for the two for San Francisco was a decision between Mac Jones and Trey Lance. So if you're going in at three, now that you've made the trade, you're going in at three. How would, how, how sorry, excuse me. I don't want, they haven't made the trade theoretically. Say they're still sitting at their, their original spot. You think that of the five teams ahead of them, you think, or the however many teams would have been ahead of them, that Trey Lance wouldn't have been picked first, especially with where Mac Jones ended up being in 15. I don't see him ever being them trading up and saying, hey, we're going to trade up because Mac Jones isn't going to be there. They're trading up because Trey Lance was going to wasn't was not going to be there when their first pick was going to go. So right. I, there, there is no fucking way that Mac Jones, I think, was their guy and, and shouldn't have been. Well, no, he shouldn't have been. What I'm saying is, like, I I feel like if you were if they were gonna move up that much because they want to get a quarterback, all, it was like Fields went from being like, hey, it's gonna be Fields in like the two through four spot. He's gonna get drafted somewhere between second through fourth overall, and then all of a sudden he drops down to where the Bears pick him. Like it within a week, like the week leading up to the draft, it was like Fields is gonna be pretty high, and then all of a sudden in the week leading up to the draft, it's like. Oh, well, maybe Fields isn't going to be that high. I'm wondering what the heck happened and what made you want to take your eye off of Fields. He's clearly a quarterback that's meant for the way the game is moving forward. So I'm just kind of confused as to why the 49ers weren't going, hey, Fields could, should be our guy. And if you, if you, in my opinion, if you're going to trade up to number three, then you should have picked Fields because I would have assumed more or less that Fields was going to be taken before Trey Lance. And then... Uh, where was the 49ers original pick? It was, I believe it was 12. six. No, it was no, it was, 12. it was 12. It was 12. They traded up to the Dolphins third overall. And then the Dolphins traded the 12 with the to with the there Eagles. So then they were six. Yeah, so there you go. if I'm the 49ers sitting at 12, I'm seeing first two, obviously quarterbacks. Miami would not have drafted a quarterback at number three. In, in theory, if they don't trade picks. So Miami's not drafting a quarterback in number three. Number four was Atlanta. I thought Atlanta was maybe going to draft a quarterback, but, I mean, it makes more so sense. So there's your Trey Lance pick. There you go. There's the guy that you wanted. But I would have said they would have gone field. I, again, either way, I, either way, whoever you're going, if you if you think that Atlanta's going quarterback, you're going ahead of uh, Atlanta. Right. So there, that that's, that's the entire – Pro, uh, thinking process, thought process, rather, right there. If they think that Atlanta is going to go get their quarterback that they need, and their quarterback isn't going to be there at their spot, then they're going to go ahead of Atlanta and take their their take take their guy. There it All is. Right. Well, okay, but <laughs> I'm I'm, just, I'm upset that you don't like this guy. I'm upset that you don't like him because of the Carson Wentz deal. And Carson Wentz almost won the MVP one year. And yet he did win the MVP and he didn't win a Super Bowl. Like Nick Foles won them that Super Bowl and Nick Foles carried them through the playoffs. Like, so, and it's just been so happened. Like I understand that an injury can really kind of 
throw off the rest of someone's career, but it really has happened to Wentz in that situation. And then he was never able to shake the like, oh, Nick Foles won us the Super Bowl. Like, but you, he was never able to shake the shadow of like, oh, this backup quarterback rode some coattails and like just got hot at the right time. And he couldn't say, he couldn't get back to his normal, like, oh, just kidding. I'm still Carson Wentz. I can still be good. He just had, wasn't that type of player. And so now, and now he's on a different team. Uh, like I said the other day, I hope that Trey Lance proves me wrong because I like it's awesome to watch these young guys go go off in their first few years. Um, but again, I still like in my entirety, I was always just assuming that Fields would be the third quarterback off the board, uh, or even the second quarterback off the board before you know New York was going. Oh, we're trading Darnold, so clearly drafting a quarterback. So it was just kind of. It's still just, it's just a peculiar draft choice to me. If if you were thinking about it and the fact of Atlanta might have been picking a quarterback, then I understand moving up to number three. But if you were immediately like, no, Atlanta's not going to draft a quarterback, that they still have faith in Matt Ryan, so they're going to go with a receiver. And then you were looking at Cincinnati, like they don't need a quarterback. And then number six was my was the Eagles, who didn't need a quarterback. They have Jalen Hurts, and then you would have gone to uh, who is seven who's i can't remember doesn't but. matter but they weren't picking a quarterback so then so, so then now that's what i'm saying is that you could have looked at oh it's detroit so detroit, detroit uh detroit wasn't picking a quarterback so you were looking at you could have looked at it right away like we could only have to draft draft up to number eight to still get our guy that's what i'm kind of saying is if you had understood what was going on right before it's like we don't need to get up to number three i think maybe the sure. paranoia of Atlanta may be picking quarterback because of Matt Ryan's age and the way the team's moving that yes, sure. you could draft up to number three, but no, in my I, opinion, you only needed to draft up to number eight to select I, the quarterback. I remember quarterback. too, when the 49ers made the trade, you know, like the Ian Rappaport's of the world were saying that the 49ers were tr- traded with like the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth teams in the draft, but nobody was budging on their picks. So they had to move up a little bit higher than they wanted to get three because the 49ers or sorry, the dolphins were willing to trade it. Um, they tried with all those other spots, but they slowly had to keep moving up the draft order because teams didn't want to give up the picks where they were at or for what they were offering. So they did try what you were talking about, Scotty, but they just said they yeah. had to go up all the way up to three and give up a little more. Yeah, right. I guess, yeah, we Carolina have, was probably more like we don't we don't want to move forward. Basically. We have spent way too much time on this now. Let's move on from uh, the number three pick that was Trey Lance have, as we have beaten the head to death. Um, but at number five uh, was, I think, the first really surprising move. The Cincinnati Bengals selected uh, Jamar Chase, which kind of nope. not necessarily started a, uh, um, a run at receivers, but that was going to start the uh, whatever teams needed receiver was going to now start to splash for a receiver. Jamar Chase goes at number five to Cincy, then followed by Jalen Waddle, which I was surprised with to the Miami Dolphins at six. And then Devontae Smith at number 10 to the Philadelphia Eagles. Some big spots, some big landing spots for each of those guys. Wonderful spots, honestly, ideal spots for them. Um, let's start with Jamar Chase. I had P and I C while going here. Yeah, exactly. No, no I, like, I, bro, I, I had to be it. No, because listen, bro, this is not fantasy football. Smart choice is Penny Sewell, but my mind went to they were going to draft Jamar Chase because that's just how people's minds work. I knew that they. I didn't (laughs) know. I don't know anything. But the Bengals. I knew they were. My my thought process was they were going to take Jamar Chase 
because everybody loves the whole reunite him from LSU. And then they were going to draft an old lineman later on in the draft, second, third, fourth round. They didn't want to use that top five pick on a lineman that some people, some people think he's going he's to be really, really good. Some people think it's not worth it to draft him as high as he was projected. Going in, uh, right after the college football season, it was still pegged as Penasquillo going number two or number three overall. Right. Like yes, he is. He is a dude. The fact the Lions got a steal in drafting him. Oh yeah. Uh, so it, the Bengals are dumb to have said, "Oh, we'll just draft an O lineman in the third, fourth round." It's like, no, you want an O lineman that's ready now and is in that area that he should be drafted in, which is in the top five picks. But let's preface why this is a bad idea. Their star quarterback, the guy we've already talked about in Joe Burrow last year, fucked his knee up so bad and put his knee in a place that a knee is not supposed to fucking be in. And so what do you do instead when you have the opportunity to pick a guy to give him insurance? You go, oh, okay, fuck him. Fuck him. We're going to go and draft a small guy who's not going to get his body in front of him and protect and give an insurance policy to our most important asset. We're not. So you, you've said and you've, you've, you've given the, the baseline for everybody in the league and every one of your fans that you don't give a fuck about your star players. You don't. And what do you do instead? You just add to those star players and what? They're going to get hurt now? And so that's the biggest thing is how, like, you could tell that Burrow was definitely, ha- like, half flaunting that scar on his right knee. He was, like, just half flaunting it a little bit. Like, hey, like, look at this big scar on my knee. Hey, you you know, you don't want that to happen to my other knee or to re-happen to this knee. So, uh, you know. Maybe get some protection, you know, maybe get some blocking so I don't have to sprint around the backfield and then just get dummied in the lower body. Yeah, but here's your buddy. Here's your, and, and your good buddy. From again, I completely agree with you guys. I know the Bengals should have took Penny Sewell, but if I was to gamble on who was going number five to Cincinnati, no trade imminent, I would have picked Jamar Chase just because the storyline. That I don't agree with the decision. I just thought that's what they were going to do. So the Bengals yeah. end, ended up taking in the second round with the 46th pick, Jackson Carmen, an offensive tackle from Clemson. So he's going from protecting Trevor Lawrence to protecting Joe Burrow. So that's not a bad trade-off for Jackson Carmen and the Cincinnati Bengals. But around mm-hmm. there, um, other receivers could have been uh, still available, rather. Uh, Rondell Moore, uh, big, big Ten Purdue wide receiver. Uh, he was selected by the Arizona Cardinals. Dwayne Eskridge went to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Tutu Atwell from Louisville ended up going to uh, the Los Angeles Rams. Terrence Marshall to the Panthers. Those were all other uh, uh, receivers around there. All quality uh, receivers, too. Like, uh, totally. Definitely. It's hard, it's hard um, to pick a better receiver in that class. For sure. And I'm, I'm going to bring up uh, the other two, which I here's why I was surprised. Javen Waddle ended up going number six to the Miami Dolphins and uh, Devontae Smith ended up going to the Philadelphia Eagles. This is why I'm surprised. I think Devontae Smith is the better player, a better receiver than Jalen Waddle. Um, I think if you were to pair Tua Tagovailoa with a speedster like Devontae Smith, that's that's ideal. Jalen Waddle isn't a bad trade-off, but when you, for me, if you have the decision between uh, uh, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, I'm going Devontae Smith first every single time. 
Um, hopefully he can prove me wrong. <clears throat> and, and with that being said, Devonte Smith ends up going to probably an even better situation, which is weird to say with Philadelphia. Um, but that's, I, I, I like the Devonte Smith, uh, landing spot more than Miami, but I think in Miami's shoes, it wasn't the best decision. I think Miami, like I, I I'm, you're right on it. Like, Hey, I've got Jalen Waddle, who is just, he was hurt for a good chunk of the last college season. And you've got Devonte Smith who Tagovailoa threw the championship so, pass uh, to uh, against sorry, Georgia. Who? Who? Tagovailoa, whatever you want to pronounce it. It's, I don't, I'm not good with the words. <laughs> uh, I had to. But so Tagovailoa throws that pass to Smith in the championship game against Georgia. So why would you not want to pick that guy to just continue to throw to? Instead, you want to go with the guy who is injured. So no injury history, Heisman winner, injured guy, still very good receiver, still very fast. We'll go with the guy that got injured. Like, guys, it was a very classic, like, we're Miami, and as much as we want to start getting better, we know our roots of just being terrible in this century. So <laughs> maybe that's what they're going for. Hold on. I, I still stand by this, and I've always thought this since Brian Flores has been the coach. But I, th- I think Brian Flores is a top three coach in the NFL. I, maybe a strong opinion for most people, but I, I think the way that he's handled Miami from when he joined, he's a top three coach in my opinion. And he's probably got a lot of say with Chris Greer, in the management on who they're taking. And it's one of those, again, one of those picks you're like, I would have took someone else, but with a guy like Brian Flores, I think it's one of those, let's see what he does with him and make before we start rushing to judgment. But I like Brian Flores. Certainly made the situation better, excuse me, in Miami after that uh, bozo. Can I say that? I'm going to say it. Uh, Adam Gase left uh, Miami and, fucked the Jets up so badly that now they have a Hollywood quarterback. With that being said, uh, all the quarterbacks that were, excuse me, I need water, um, that were selected in the first round include Trevor Lawrence to the Jags, Zach Wilson to the Jets, Trey Lance to the 49ers, those were the first three picks, Justin Fields to the Chicago Bears at 11, and at 15, the last quarterback to go in the first round, and shockingly enough, Bill Belichick does, does Bill Belichick things, doesn't move a fucking muscle, and he gets his guy at 15. That is Alabama quarterback Mac Jones, who uh, I was praying to the high lords that we wouldn't get. We didn't get him. But uh, honestly, here, here's my thing about Mac Jones. I feel like Mac Jones was going to be a bust anywhere he went. Mm-hmm. Other except. than New England. <laughs> except, yeah. yeah. Other than New uh-huh. England. <laughs> well, I mean, the, Bill Belichick is the only one that can work with a blubbery body like that and turn him into an elite quarterback. Exhibit A, Tom Brady. The side-by-side comparison was oh. impeccable. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know people had that queued up six days before the draft, and they were just – it was a drafted tweet, and they are like, please, please take Mac Jones. They take him, boom, tweet. Like I have a border, I have a borderline better body than Mac Jones. And he got drafted in the first round of the NFL. That just, goes just to show look at look how far the NFL's come. Back in the early two thousand, like back in the early two thousands, if you had a body like that, you're drafted in the sixth round, Tom Brady. And but now, if you got that body and you went to Alabama, yeah, first round pick, man. First rounder, baby, and uh, first round talent too, apparently. Um, like I, like I said, there's not a lot more to be said about this situation because 
Bill Belichick is going to end up doing Bill Belichick things. So um, they still have Cam there. Um, as far as I'm concerned, right? There's he's still yeah, there. Cam Newton resigned. I would assume that Cam Newton is probably going to be open up as the starter, and then mm-hmm. after the preseason, they'll figure out what the hell to do. Yeah, exactly. So at, at the moment, it seems like it's going to be uh, Cam's job to lose, but it's. Basically, a matter of time for for Mac Jones and Bill Belichick to figure out that system. So let's wrap up that first round talk um, with that. Um, but the one last thing I do actually want to bring up on the first round is the running backs that were picked there. Uh, the first one being picked was, I believe it was the first Dante one. Harris. Yeah, it was the first one at 24. I actually had Pittsburgh trading up at 20, to 22 because the Titans don't need a running back um, to pick Najee Harris. And uh, that is who they picked. But the one that I was surprised with was the one that went right after at 25 to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they are reuniting um, Trevor Lawrence with Travis Etienne. That is something else. That was a slick, slick move by Urban Meyer and the Khan family. Okay, so hold on. Think about that right there. Okay, so what you just said with the whole, uh, when we talked earlier about Jamar Chase going to the Bengals with Joe Burrow, okay, reuniting teammates, why do you have no problem with the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence didn't just tear his fucking ACL, bro. <laughs> okay, the Jacksonville Jaguars have an offensive line. You're you they don't they aren't scrambling because their 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 quarterback has one knee. That's why. They, so hold they, on. So like are we saying that the Jaguars have a good offensive line? Or good Those enough. were some of the first words out of my mouth. At, at okay, well, sorry, I heard three different voices going on. Just because, <laughs> just because, just because Jacksonville went one and fifteen doesn't mean they have a bad offensive line. It just so happens that Mike Glennon and Gardner Minshew just threw the ball to the other team on every throw that they had. Okay, that's I why just, they lost fifteen games. And, and the, and the fact that ever. Mike Glennon is your other quarterback. <laughs> yes, love Mike Glennon. <laughs> But that's the thing. That's 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 the difference right there is that they have an offensive line since he doesn't. They have well, they have a an embodiment rather of an offensive line the Jags do. You're trying to give this guy weapons. And with that being said, you had Jerome Robinson there, so I have no idea why you picked him. But what's going to be better than that connection? He was one of the best running backs in college, Travis Etienne, for the three years or four years that he was in, in at Clemson in college football in he the was, nation. He was the Trevor Lawrence of running backs. Yeah, and then what do you do? You put Trevor Lawrence, the Trevor Lawrence of quarterbacks, with the Trevor Lawrence of running backs. Here we are. We have a fuck of a backfield. That's exciting. The Jaguars are exciting. That's fun. That's fun. I wish now we can we can bring in uh, a wideout for them. Um, I don't think they have picked one yet. I think we are in the sixth round. So excuse us if they have taken one as we have been talking. But the final um, thing that I want to talk about from this draft, and it has it's been something that we've been prepping for, something we have been talking about for a little while now, for almost two years since uh, Chuba Hubbard 
took the field for the Oklahoma State. Uh, oh, what are they? The Cowboys. Cowboys. The Oklahoma State Cowboys. And uh, he was just picked at 126 in the fourth round by the Carolina Panthers, who already have a hell of a running back in Christian McCaffrey. And they add another hell of a running back. Either one of you, what do you think? I'm a, I know you guys are bursting with excitement here. I mean, uh, it is very exciting to see a guy from our hometown get drafted in the NFL. I was disappointed to see that it didn't go where I thought he should have gone, which was in that second, third round. Uh, even with like the, the down season that he had in 2020, I, I figured that he still should have only dropped to maybe the third round. I had him pegged as more of like a, if if it, if everything was staying the same, I thought he was going to be a high to mid second round pick, and then you know at the worst he drops down to that mid to low third round, very big range in there. But still, like I figured he was that he was still just that kind of running back. I'm excited for him. You get to step into your first pro camp and you get to learn from one one of the best running backs in the game currently. Um, and then you can still, and then even if you're Carolina, you get to sit there and go like, well, if they both perform the way we want them to, then, well, then we can use them both in game. Like you can have that dual threat, like you have a double threat backfield. And so now whatever quarterback you're going to have, you're just sitting there going like, Hey, my, like, we're going to be good. We're going to be good. We just have to t- toss the ball off to those guys and let them do the work and we can figure out the passing game later. And again, I, I don't know the name of the backup quarterback on Carolina. I, I couldn't come up with it. I was thinking about it just now as you were talking. But, I mean, it's one of those you got to think. He goes to Carolina, and he's going to be used kind of right away, whatever his role is. He's not going to sit every game and just let McCaffrey run and run and run, especially with his injury, his past injury history. They might want to, you know, kind of load management McCaffrey for a little bit just to make sure that – Again, I, I'm assuming he's going to be 100% by the season, but it's one of those you don't want to run him all the way into the ground because uh, he's one of the best. And you want to have him for a long time, especially if you're on the playoffs. So Chuba's going to be used quite a bit, whatever whatever situations that is. Well, I'm not sure, but again, like we talked about, Sherd Park guy, gotta love that. Uh, my brother played with him in high school for the Bedfacey Falcons, so very cool there. My brother, uh, they did a feature here in Canada on TSN on Chuba the other night before the draft, I think it was Wednesday night, brother made TSN in the background of one of the clips, not a big deal, whatever. Um, and uh, so it's it's cool, just again, how many times can you say a kid from Sherd Park gets drafted into the NFL or drafted at all? I mean, you don't hear a lot of Sherd Park kids, let alone Edmonton and all that stuff. So it's very big deal and um, we, we wish the best for him. And again, now Boys, I we, told you guys we, earlier. Uh, oh, go ahead. We, uh, we fucked up and um, we totally forgot about the Panthers quarterback. It's Sam Darnold. That's who he was traded yeah. to is Carolina. So they have Sam Darnold can throw the ball. So actually, you know what? Their, their game, as long as they get some receivers, looking all right in Carolina. Well, uh, with that being said, you wondered the depth and the backup there. Uh, Sam Darnold is a starting quarterback. Yeah, well, P.K. Walker is the uh, backup quarterback there. The XFL legend. Yeah, and he did get some snaps and looked pretty decent in the couple of games that he got last year. And the third string quarterback is none other than Will Greer. Oh, former uh, college uh, standout. <laughs> yeah, former, former college football player, Will Greer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Again, now yeah. I have a reason. Now I have a reason to watch the Carolina Panthers. I mean, it's it. There was McCaffrey would have been the only reason. Now I have a little bit more of a reason. Or Teddy Two Glove Bridgewater. Come on, that was always nice. <laughs> Wanted to see the two gloves on a Sunday, but we'll see him wherever he went. Where did he go again? He went he to went, Denver. Got Denver. traded to Denver. So it's him and Drew Locke. Just and him. hey, maybe Aaron Rodgers. Oh, there it is. Well, uh, <laughs> that will conclude our uh, discussion about this year's 2021 NFL draft. It, what a draft it has been. What an exciting three days. There were, f- they had fans in, in, in Cleveland. They're packed, all of them vaccinated and bringing them up onto the, the stage. It, it was so nice to have an NFL event like that again. Um, by the way, Will Greer was a college football player for the West uh, for West Virginia, by the way. Sorry, just had to bring that up. One other thing, one other thing that I personally am uh, watching for and waiting for to come across the line at when this comes out, he will be drafted or he will have a team. But I'm looking for Arkansas's running back Rakeem Boyd, who had time on Last Chance U. That will be it. That is the end of our uh, draft conversation. Let's head to the next segment. Well, that was great talk about the NFL draft. It's a great time of the year where you throw on the rounds five, six, and seven in the background on a Saturday afternoon and just watch and see. My favorite thing is I just saw Matt Patricia the assistant to the head coach in New England now. So nothing, a little shout out Dwight Schrute, assistant to the regional manager. So you guys love to see that. So we're going to shift here to the MLB. We're going to talk about a couple of storylines that have caught our attention here about a month into the season. Uh, and then we'll move into talking about the Pioneer League going into the Home Run Derby. Uh, which one of you gentlemen would like to start us off with their storylines that have caught their attention? I'll go, I'll go first. I've got uh, a few things that have actually kind of shocked me at the start of the year. First of all, uh, the Red Sox having one of the best records in baseball, 17 and 10. Uh, did not expect that to happen. I always thought they were going to be about a 500 team right from the get-go of the season. But to see them, when honestly, whether you're a Red Sox fan or not, you see the Red Sox doing good. I think it's just good for baseball. It's just a nice, like, classic feel to it. Uh yeah, and it's pretty competitive all the way through that American League East. Even the Orioles have more than 10 wins in the first month. Um, other shockers, uh, the Giants leading the NL West after the first month by half a, by half a game, but it's still leading. I mean, who would have thought that with the, who was in their division this year? And uh, I would say finally, uh, on a good note, my Seattle Mariners are 15 and 12 and one game behind first to start off the year. And I, it's, it's got me in a happy mood because simply because the Mariners are just playing with house money and it's because we don't have a bona fide ace. I mean, we have Marco Gonzalez, who is now on the 10 day DL. He's on the 10 day IL. So he's missing one or two starts. Uh, we don't really have anyone after that. Paxton's out for the year. Uh, Kelly Cucci's a good pitcher, but again, not a bona fide like one-two on many other teams. Uh, the only thing we got going for us in our pitching staff is we have a starter named Chris Flexen, and that last name is Electric. Anytime he pitches, I just assume that we're going to win because there's no way you're beating Flexen. There's just no way you're beating Flexen, and the yeah. rookies are the rookies are standing out for the Mariners. It's good to see. I'm happy. I'm sure they're going to break my heart in a couple of months by having a tough stretch. But for now, I'm riding high, 15 and 12. Let's keep it going. 
Yeah, that uh, the San Francisco Giants, I personally thought would be at the bottom of the list, but uh, here they are at the top. Um, the Dodgers have been laboring. The Dodgers do have a couple key injuries, including one to uh, uh, Cody Bellinger. And now, uh, weirdly enough, a key injury to Zach McKinstry. Um Good for him, too. Zach McKinstry has been another one of those um, uh, storylines that baseball loves. A, a guy out of nowhere, almost uh, on, on Enrique Hernandez squared uh, for the Dodgers. He can play everywhere. He's been cool, but he is hurt. Um, so the Giants, yeah, it's cool that the Giants are at the top of the NL West. A couple weeks ago, we mentioned that the Cincinnati Reds might be the most exciting team in baseball to watch. Fucking oops. <laughs> Sorry yeah, about that, guy. Um, since then, they have very much not been the most exciting uh, baseball team in the league. Our most exciting team to watch in baseball. They are now sitting at a 12 and 13 clip in the NL Central. At the bottom of the NL Central are the Chicago Cubs, which I'm surprised by. Yeah, it, you would think just right out of the gate, you're like Pittsburgh's at the bottom no matter what, and yet they aren't. And you would think the Reds would be kind of in that fourth spot. The Reds are in third, good for them. I think the Central is one of the more competitive divisions that you see from kind of a two through five for sure. Uh, right now, Milwaukee seems to be having try to grab a stranglehold of that. That's actually an underrated team to be watching. Corbin Burns is electric on the mound, and it's a name that you don't really hear that often. So it's it's fun to watch. Brock, what do you got for these, for some of these stories? Yeah, I had uh Corbin Burns as one of mine. I mean, as of right now, I mean, I haven't checked, but I don't think the guy's given up a walk yet still to this moment. He may have, I might've forgot, but I'm sure I would have heard it, but he's got about 50 Ks and no walk. So not a Dan, not too bad of a dandy of a start for him to start the year, but um, easily my favorite storyline of the year. And it most likely will be the whole year. Dodgers Padres rivalry. That is easily the most watchable baseball right now. Oh, yeah. uh, every game has been, exciting come down the wire or had some sort of exciting moment, whether it's uh Tatis flash in the covering the right eye after Bauer uh, gets up a home run against some, you know, the McGregor walk, whether again, the extra innings Kershaw could have won it all bases loaded. They intentionally walk for Kershaw to so potentially cool. win the game. That would have been so cool. And I'm, I'm not even the dog. David guy, Price but... playing the outfield. Like it's just, it's <laughs> got everything you want. It's just so exciting to watch. Even when it's a number five starters going up against each other, it's still must watch because they're so even. It, it's yeah. such an even baseball game. Like I've it's never awesome. been more excited to watch Joe Musgrove pitch in the MLB because I mean, other than again, the no hitter helps get his name up there. But even if Joe Musgrove didn't get that no hitter, it's one of those you're like, okay, he pitched for the Padres and he's going up against Dustin May of the Dodgers or however it lines up. But like, it is just easily the most exciting baseball I've watched. Uh, I always tune in. It's always on at night. So like I'm in bed at usually 1 PM or 1 AM kind of thing. 1 PM. Wow. Sorry, wow. 1 AM. Uh, Cause uh, the game's still going on cause it's extras or it's just, it's dragging on, but it's, it's must watch baseball um so that's my number one secondly again was my corbin burns but uh thirdly i mean as a yankees fan uh you guys are welcome for being able to shit on the yankees to start the year because they are slumping they are not the bronx bombers they have not been hitting well uh so as a yankees fan it's been hard to watch but uh hopefully you guys have enjoyed the storyline of the yankees not being the yankees so um other than that, uh, the other one I had was there seems to be a lot of position players pitching already early in the season. You know, your main Mercedes, his first defensive inning was as a pitcher. So that's a classic. That's there was one uh, a guy on the Dodgers. Uh, he record or he gave up his first hit 
as a pitcher before he got his first hit as a position player. So again, storylines like that, those are awesome for baseball. Um, those are what make the first month of baseball exciting. Obviously the standings and stuff are going to work its way out. You know, the Giants will not be leading the NL West by the end of the year, but it's nice to have those feel good moments at the start of the year. And uh, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully some of them stick on longer. Hopefully some of them are, um, you know, most likely they'll be done soon. So those are mine. Something we haven't brought up at all, and it's fucked because we're Canadians, are the the Toronto Blue Jays. They're second right now in the AL East. So we thought that's where they would be at uh, right now, but not behind the Boston Red Sox, behind the New York Yankees. But uh, that's all been fueled, uh, especially by Bo Bichette and even more especially by Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Vladdy's doing exactly what we thought Vladdy was going to do, and this is him showing that. Uh, another interesting story to that storyline is uh, Bo Bichette hit a home run this year at one point that landed right in front of the gym where Dante, his father, and uh, Dante's wife, I don't know Bo's mother's name off the top of my head. And Mrs. Uh, Bichette. It's and Mrs. Bichette and uh, ended up meeting for the first time in Boston right there. That is, that's, that's the type of story that only baseball can come up with. Baseball is so beautifully quirky. It is just, it is just so beautifully quirky with the weird storylines and the weird stats that you can come up with. It's awesome. But yeah, the blue Jays are just a whole hum 500 second place, just kind of, you know, wait for that time to strike, stay above that 500 level, stay within striking distance of the division before, you know, you make that charge in the middle of the summer and make those trades that they need to. Um, They do still need to work a little bit on the pitching, but it's coming along. The offense is obviously doing what the offense needs to do. So that's the Blue Jays are trending in the right direction. Still, I think they're just waiting for that time to strike. Well, the Blue Jays bullpen, they had the, the best franchise ERA after the first 27 games, I believe, or 21 games in franchise history. And they're like sitting right now top three in bullpen ERA. So, again, it's one of those everybody thinks the Yank or the Blue Jays are going to be the big hitting team with that offensive lineup. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, we need more pitching. We need more starting pitching. And then all of a sudden their pitching is unreal and their hitting is a little bit slower start than most thought. But Well, the Blue Jays have a plus 17 run differential right now. So they're, the offense is doing the work. It is just the occasional start here and there that kind of goes sideways for them. So if they can just kind of tight, maybe tighten up one little more aspect of pitching, then I think they're right there for it. Also, but, uh, another another storyline we forgot about was uh, the Oakland Athletics, you know, doing money ball type win streaks there. They uh, <laughs> went 0-6 yeah. to start 0-6 the year. 0-6 and then 13 and, straight. Whoops. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a quality start for the Oakland days. So you got to love to see it. I was rooting for the streak. I was – it's awesome when they're 12 games in and they're already showing the money ball 20 games in a row. And you're kind of thinking, is it going to happen? And I was like, yes, please make it happen. Give me, give me money ball too. I want a sequel. <laughs> I want, I need more, I need more Brad Pitt. I need more Jonah Hill, but um, <laughs> so again, lots of good storylines. Lots of good storylines. Uh, either of you guys have another one to add on there that we forgot about or. No, no, let's move on. Yeah. So we'll move on. So switching gears from the big leagues to the independent leagues. So we're now taking a giant step from like relativity. So that's, so that's what we're moving towards. So the pioneer league used to be an affiliated league with the MLB. Now it's an independent ball league. That's a partner league with the MLB. So the pioneer league released the, uh, their new rules for 
the year. And one of the rules that they're going to test out this year is that extra innings are just, they don't exist. They do, it's, but you still can't tie a baseball game. What it is, is basically a swing off. It's a home run derby. You send one guy up to the plate, each team, and they get five pitches and the most home runs hit out of those five pitches then is declared the winner. It's basically like a shootout, but only one player from each team is hitting. Obviously, if it's still tied after those five, then you put two new guys in for five. And like, it's just like that. So it's, it's like an interesting version of the shootout without any overtime. So it's a weird rule. Um, it's a weird idea. I'm still on the fence of how I feel about it. Just because, like, straight up, fans probably going to love it, but also fans probably going to be like, I miss, you know, the technicality of free baseball and that kind of deal. So what are, what are your guys' thoughts on it? I'm still kind of on the fence. I absolutely oh, fucking I... love it. Of course, Brock loves it. it fucking it. real. No, I think, again, one of those Pioneer League, you know, kind of one of those leagues of, you know, who's going to go watch a Pioneer League game. But, again, it's the equivalent of the, it's the equivalent of the hockey shootout in my mind just going after it back and forth. Um, not saying that extra innings is bad and that they have to change it, but I just think I love the creativity. That's if I was an executive in the pioneer league, I'd be like, how, do, how can you make baseball fun? It's like add the home run derby. So Cause again, if you're looking in the stands and the, if you're sitting in the bleachers in the eighth inning, you got a tie game and you're sitting there. It's kind of like when you go to another game, you're like, Holy, Holy fuck. We might get overtime. Then overtime's almost done. You're like, Holy fuck. We're going to get a shootout. I think I've seen one shootout as an order game in my entire life. That's just how it's worked out. So I always look forward to trying to get a shootout, but I think it's going to be the same thing as a home run derby. I think it's so, so I think the biggest, so I think the biggest thing that they were trying to do with this and they kind of explained it was they want to, the, the pioneer league independent league, it's a bus league. It's a grind. It's in these small towns in Montana and Idaho and stuff. Uh, but it's all in these towns that there's no affiliated ball. So they get a great, so first of all, Brock, they get great crowds for the size stadiums they have. Um, and imagine playing on a team. One of the teams is from Montana, the Missoula Paddleheads. How electric is that team name? Okay. That's so unreal. That's unreal. And it's a moose because it's the Paddleheads. It's a moose as their logo. So it's great to, it's like that stuff is fun. The Pioneer League is one of those lower end paid, like even lower than the Frontier League and American Association and pay. So right out of the gate, you've got these guys that, especially pitchers. They want to save the pitcher's arms essentially. And it's, you know, you only have so many pitchers on the team, 14, 15, maybe at most. And that's still a lot, but still you get into extra innings and you got to travel all the time. And these guys are going back to back nights and all this stuff that I think they're just trying to save the arm factor. Like it's a long season. It's five, like it, you've got 15, 14, 15 arms and they're only getting paid uh, barely any like they're probably getting i think rookies in that league are getting paid 400 dollars a month or something like that like it's a grind the indie ball league the lifestyle is a grind and i kind of understand why they're like oh well what if we make this a cool product for us while saving some players arms while they're trying to achieve a dream that gets them paid more than what we're giving them in that aspect i like it i respect it the issue is, is now people are going to be asking for that to be in the show, in yeah. uh, the minor leagues, anywhere they go. And so what this turns out to potentially become is, okay, how can we administer this to the big leagues? 
And I don't want that. I, I don't want that. That's not what this is for. And Brock, you, you mentioned how uh, exciting a shootout is and how exciting you want and how excited you are to see a shootout. But you still have to go through overtime in order to get there first, right? If they're not even going to get uh, a 10th inning, 11th inning, a 12th inning, a 13th inning, and you're just going right, in, right into the, uh, the, the, the derby, then what's the point? You you just played nine innings for, uh, you know the the number one home leading the the league leading home run hitter to come up against you know the worst guy in the league in home runs, but the best guy on this this independent team, right? It 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 not only will now shorthand those bad teams, but will potentially lead to an unrealistic precedent for the game so to yeah so you need at least eight, like if you are going to do that you do need a buffer of three innings like yeah i, I agree i think i was going to say so before there's any alteration of the rules three innings of extra inning baseball okay so that's what i was, was going to ask you is should they still add an overtime factor like the extra innings for maybe two innings and then if after the 11th there's no winner then maybe add the home run derby okay yeah that's yeah that's fair I, mean, I, I, I would I, shoot it to the 12th inning yeah, and-, and I think the word the, what what's gonna suck is for these pitchers, you it's gonna be like the overtime lot, like the shootout loss for a goalie. Like, did they really lose? Like, it still ends up being a three three game, but you get the so like you get the OTL in your record. Um, so for a pitcher, you're about to get like what are we just gonna give every like all the pitchers no decisions because it's left up to batting practice. Like, it I literally think- batting practice though. Who, yeah, who's throwing it? It's probably the coach throwing batting practice. Like, so, like, what is that? Five, so what like, the fuck is that? Yeah, you have their your coach to go and throw you five meatballs for a, a, a BP, mm, and you're gonna yeah. let that decide games and decide statistics, which end up getting people contracts. That doesn't seem right to me. Yeah, like you, you at least have to make the new law stat of. Uh, XL or like EXL, mm. like extra inning loss, you mm. know, XIL, like one of those things. It was an it was an extra inning loss when it was technically like the home run derby thing, like because then they know like he didn't pitch clearly because that was the rule in this league. So you, you can kind of save some face with that. So you give a win and like an XIL. Put it put XL because there's nothing go. be or like you just have to my give- shirt size in the MLB stat line where it's win loss XL, the large XL. <laughs> but again. Loss. Again, my thing, the reason I like it so much, again, you guys broke down more of the fundamentals, how it would work. Again, I never even thought about the whole win-loss for a pitcher, but that's a great point. My thing that I really love about it is, again, A, everybody loves home run derbies, but B, it's the fact that baseball, I know it starts in the Pioneer League, but it's they're trying new things. Again, you know, like they're trying to do things like the guy on second base for extra innings to make it more exciting, to make it less boring for kind of the younger crowd. Because all I hear with baseball is how do we appeal to the young people? Everything's being streamed now. How do we appeal to that younger demographic? I think the home run derby is the right the idea. Tatis is doing and hit a home run and give it right, a right. But again, like again, somebody's not going to tune in to a baseball game to see if Tatis will do that. They'll just watch Sports Center or they'll look on Instagram and watch the highlight of it afterwards. Again, that's they're trying to figure out how to make baseball relevant for watching entire games. And I think the home run derby adding that is a step in the right direction. So then you're going to have the players trot around the bases then when they hit and do backflips. Like during the home run derby, is that what you're saying? Yeah. 
know. Because if the, like that's the exciting part. You're trying to win a game. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 that's a theoretically makes a lot of sense, but you're in the heat of a game. You just played nine, nine innings. And now you have the guy who's probably hit 30 home runs already this season doing BP. Right. Yeah. I feel like I, it, it, on top of it, it's just going to make home run derby derbies rather less fun. And imagine you win. I'm now on the side of, I'm not a big fan of this rule. Like I'm a fan of it to save some arms, but like, like we said, like the, the realistic standpoint of why they want to make this rule in this uh, home run derby. I'm not a fan of it in the sense of imagine you're a team that's down by two runs and you score two in the bottom of the ninth to tie it. And then you just end up so, but then it just works out that you don't get the third run in. So you're going, so it's like the last out and you're like, okay, let's go. It's like, just kidding. We can't carry any momentum into this because now we're going into a swing off. Yeah, no, totally. Now, um, now, is it, now, hold on real quick. Is it one of those two? Let's say again, you don't want, again, when it comes down to crunch time, when you're getting into games, 150, 140, and it come down to, you know, the standings are have a f- impact on playoffs. Is it one of those, maybe the last month of the year, you don't have the home run again. If this is in the MLB, you don't have the home run derby be a thing. And just the rest of the, the last well, month, if you're going to decide innings. that you're going to just, if you're going to just eliminate it for like part of the season, just don't have it. Don't all. have it. Okay. There's be no consistent. point. There is no, there is the worst thing would be inconsistency of like, Oh, so we'll have this. Like if you are going to do that, then you'd actually, in my opinion, you do need again, to have, Win, loss, and that extra loss stat, even in the and, standings. And how do you make the decision between what games do go in and what games don't go into the – the? What, how do you decide, oh, okay, well, this team's only two and a half games out or the team other team is five games out, so it doesn't really matter. No, right? I was just it's, saying – I was just saying, like – like in the month of September, yeah, no, no home run derby for everybody. Like September one, yeah, but, then, there, but then at that point, but there's at that no point, point. You should, well, yeah, by that point, then you should just be like, all right, everyone has an 0 record going into September. If we're just going to scratch all the standings again, we're we're baseball yeah. guys. We can turn on a game in the middle of July that has very little relevance to the standings, and it could be two boring teams. We could turn on and watch it again. The MLB is trying to get those people that don't necessarily watch baseball. You know, adding a home run derby factor in the middle of a July could get people to turn a game on a Wednesday night. Again, that's the point yeah, I'm trying it's to make. Called the All Star Break in July. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, but a lot of people. Want <laughs> with that July, being said, yeah. with that being said, we can uh, get into the middle of almost any game, any sport, and we will be fully, fully, fully entertained. And uh, with that being said, let's move right on to uh, what games you guys are going to be watching and putting your money up on. Well, it is time for the old gambling corner, and uh, I am unprepared this week. I don't have any picks because I have just been decompressing from the end of the school year. I just finished year six. Um, yeah. Career You're be a student. doctor. <laughs> you know, most <laughs> with the line from Tommy Boy, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not it's not uncommon for people to go to school for seven years. Yeah, they're called doctors. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're on to year seven, and yet, and no doctor, not a doctor, no, no, not a doctor. I no, you would not want me to be a doctor. Good lord, no. Uh, but that is besides the fact. This is the gambling corner, not the let's tear apart Scotty's uh, school <laughs> career. Nice. It's nice doing it to other people once in a while, and not being the butt of a joke. <laughs> so, uh, with a, so it is. 
the gambling corner. Uh, I just don't have anything for this week and I'm not going to try to do it on the fly here. Uh, so I'll just hand it off to Brock, the boss with row and uh, he will give some picks and he might give a little rundown of how he's doing so far on his week as it is. Yeah. Well, hopefully you guys tune into Instagram. I've been creating a couple IGTV videos with the weekly gambling card. Uh, first week we went 13 for 22 and hit the howitzer night in Canada special. So that was pretty exciting. What Russ- is that? What is this howitzer? So the howitzer night in Canada is the hockey special I created for imaginary sports book, but it's over 16 and a half total goals in the three hockey night in Canada games. So there's two five o'clockers and one eight o'clocker. Uh, usually the over under is about five and a half per game. So I just upped it to 16 and a half. And the first one hit, it was, they scored 18 goals the first week uh, tonight, obviously recording Saturday night, hopefully it'll be over 16 and a half as well. So again, it's one of those, it's a fun way to watch hockey night in Canada because each game is different in hockey night in Canada. And when they're playing the same team over and over, it's hard to make uh, educated gambling picks. So I like it. Thir- 13 for 22 in the first week, terrible start week too. We were three for 10 so far, just hit the Yankees run line uh, against the Tigers. So now we're four for 11. Hopefully Howard tonight in Canada and the rest of Sunday's picks will come through, but excited for week three. We've got lots of good picks on the board. Uh, starting off May 3rd on the Monday, we got the Bruins and the Devils. You want to take the under in that game, all six games between the two teams, they've scored less than six goals. So let's keep that, uh, that trend going. Uh, Monday night, we also got the Warriors playing the Pelicans uh, system bet. If applicable, if not, we're going to want to take the over 228 and a half or better because Pelicans defense in my mind are still terrible, even though they've gotten a little bit better. And it's the Marvel arena of heroes, superhero game of the week where apparently Marvel is being featured in the game. So again, I'm not a Marvel guy myself, but you know, what? I'm not, yeah, no, not all. This is a, this a conversation for another time. Yeah, but no, we, found next, we found next week's topic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that'll be hopefully some visually appealing graphics there. Uh, Next, we got the Nuggets and the Lakers. System bet if applicable. If not, you want to take under 224 and a half or better. And we have the Orioles and Mariners playing and the Pirates and Padres playing both Monday night and Tuesday night. All four of those games, you want to take the under. We're hoping to go at least three for four in the unders there. But uh, that's that's the pick there. So still early on the season. And the MLB has projected or has said that the unders have gone uh, 55% of the time. So hopefully at least two of those games go under, but, uh, that's, that's the hope Tuesday night. We got the Raptors playing the Clippers. we got Brett's Clippers playing there. So you want to take the Clippers minus five or better, or the Clippers team total over 113 and a half or better. Uh, Clippers have scored at least 113 points or more in six of the last 10 games. Uh, moving on to Wednesday, we got the little Wednesday, 10.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time baseball, White Sox, Reds. Reds are the most exciting game team in baseball. Um, what Both them and the White Sox, respectively, have scored thir- the third most and first most runs in the MLB. You want to take the over. You got the Knicks and the Nuggets Wednesday night. You want to take the Knicks spread. Love betting on the Knicks, and they've they've been uh, against the spread. Or, They've been a very profitable team against the spread, so look for them to do that. Uh, you got the Jets, Flames on the ice. You want to take the Flames team total under two and a half goals scored. I'm thinking Hellebuck's going to turn it around here, and he's going to play well against the slumping Flames that have lost all playoff hopes. So look for that one. 
Uh, you got it's the- crazy. Sorry to interrupt. It's crazy yeah. to see the di- here rather the difference between your bets and uh, 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 Scotty's bets because Scotty goes over on everything. Scotty <laughs> goes, you gotta hammer the over. Life's too short to take the under. And then here's Brock who goes, okay, you're, you're going to want to take the under here. <laughs> they haven't scored too much throughout the season. You nice peaceful, nice and Scotty peaceful, just quiet like, voice. Fucking bet it all. <laughs> so my thing my thing is usually if i know a team is like a very like if i were to bet nba and i knew the pelicans are a very uh like low scoring team and in risk of not wanting to say oh bet the over and then like lose it i'd probably be more like okay what are we looking at for the bucket line what are we looking at for the money line like i bet i think i'm more strategically bet the over when i have a really strong feeling like when i know it's two high scoring teams i'm like you gotta do it and like you may like because you may as well what if they set the line at a very reachable over then you yeah. then you're gonna feel like an idiot for taking the under <laughs> and again it's one of those i i like doing team total overs with certain teams where if one team is really good defensively and the other team allows a lot of points so for like let's say the clippers playing the pelicans clippers score a lot pelicans give up a lot but i don't want to pick the over because the Pel- Clippers are good on defense as well. And the Pelicans might only score like 89 points. So I usually do the team total over there. Cause you know that they're just going to fucking light up the buckets. So that's usually where I go Love with it. the overs there. Um, but yes, yeah, very astute. I know I'm the nice, peaceful, comfortable voice. You're going to want to take the under we've done the research. And then, like you said, Scotty just screams over. We need more points. We need more goals. I love it. Um, StuFinder.com. StuFinder. <laughs> like, and subscribe, like, and subscribe, like, and subscribe. Um, uh, last game on Wednesday night, you got the Blue Jays playing the Red Hot Athletics. You're going to take over nine and a half or better. Over nine and a half or better. Let's get some yelling in there for an over. Okay, I'll start yelling for overs. Woo! Uh, Thursday, you got the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay Devil Rays playing the Los Angeles Angels. You want to take the Angels money line on that one. Then we have the Battle of Los Angeles. The Lakers playing the Clippers on the court. You want to take the Lakers spread. Lakers are going to cover. Friday night, you got the Avalanche playing the Kings on the ice. You're going to take the Avalanche money line. Avalanche are 4-1 and one against the Kings this year, who are 7th in their division. And then the last game on that Friday night, you got the Lakers playing Portland Trailblazers over, 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 over. Yeah. We actually have no more unders for the rest of the week. Unders, unders are more start of the week, and then we, we go into the overs. Once a howitzer name kind of comes on, it's just over, over over unders are for pussies and the Aussies <laughs> not true <laughs> cut, cut that cut that brick <laughs> hey, hey don't tell me what to cut Saturday night the only game we got going on is actually three games the Howitzer night and Canada special over 16 and a half total goals between the three games you got the Senders playing the Jets and the Canadians playing the Maple Leafs in the five o'clock games Mountain Center time then you got a little Vancouver Canucks Edmonton Oilers what is it game four of the week I think what do they play four times this week uh, I think that that game I, I'm that game is hitting the over and the Oilers will just score all the goals to hit the over <laughs> yeah look they, forward to the Oilers uh scoring seven goals to two at first, and us hitting the over in the house at first at first when it was like okay mcdavid's at 81 points and they've played 47 games so they got like nine games left you know it was like nine or ten games left is he gonna get to 100 points i'm like well, is he gonna get to 100 points he needs two point he needs to average two per game it was just coming off a four point night against winnipeg and then he went and got three more against winnipeg and i was like I okay, so good start I, and so i was a like, good start and then and then i remembered 
because my trainer uh, reminded me in a very friendly way. By the way, they also played the Canucks five times. And I was like, oh, so he's guaranteed to hit the 100-point mark because he's going to at least get two points per game against those guys. It's He's going to – the thing is, he's going to do it. We, like, question – some people question if he's going to do it, and then he's just going to do it because he's the best player on the planet. Yeah, like, my only concern would be if they had to play the Canadians five times, and obviously the Canadians would actually – And they just shut him down. And, no, he's not playing the Canadians, I don't think. Maybe once more. I don't know. I, they might be done playing them. But that would be the only team that would worry me if he had to play them to score points. But um, – but yeah, you're right. They did. Everybody did the whole. Well, he's got to average two points uh, the rest of the year, and then obviously game next game four points. Game after that three. I was like, and I think he's doing pretty good so far to start that. And off. basically, basically, he has just been the embodiment of the Snapchat, the bored and horny Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> he's been the embodiment. With that, sorry, um, the Flames, they play the Flames tonight as we're dating ourselves here, but they do have the Canucks on the Monday, the Canucks on the Tuesday, the Canucks on the Thursday, Canucks on the Saturday, and then they have Montreal on the Monday, they have Wednesday on uh, Wednesday the 12th, that is, and their final game of the season, you guessed it, the Canucks. All right. So we only have two teams that we're so going to be let's playing. Hope, let's hope he averages 4.3 points against uh, per five games against the Canucks and then maybe one point against the Canadians. So let's do most of the bulk work this week, McDavid. All right. That's what we're looking <laughs> for. I predicted an average score in the Canucks game. I'm predicting an Oilers 9-2 to victory. Like, I honestly think the Canucks will just squeak by a couple by one of the goalies, but they're going to give up about a billion to Drysaddle and McDavid. It's going to be rough. And again, you guys, are, you guys are probably thinking, well, they play three times during the week. Why didn't you have one of their picks? I'm thinking, well, it's so hard to gamble three picks of the same team in games. So I was like, let's just save it for the Howitzer Night and special. Oh, Hopefully, yeah. who knows? Maybe the Canucks win two of the three and the, flight, or the Oilers come out just absolutely pissed that they lost uh, two or three of the Canucks and they just absolutely light up the scoreboard. So <laughs> let's hope that for Howitzer Night in Canada. Sorry, Scotty. Uh, Sunday, last games on the card. We got the Heat playing the Celtics on the court. System bet if applicable. If not, you're going to go over 220 and a half or better. Uh, next, we got the Knicks and Clippers playing the 1.30 p.m. Mountain Center time game Sunday. Over 229 and a half or better or New York Knicks spread, whichever comes first. Uh, if the 229 and a half comes first, if not, take the spread. Uh, Sunday night baseball, Phillies Braves. Ooh. It's a Sunday night baseball special. We take overs on Sunday night. That's how we end our week. We take overs in Sunday night baseball. So you want to take the over for that game. Last game, eight o'clock Mountain Center time. Suns Lakers. You want to take the Suns money line. Suns are hot. Just before you move on to your uh, last thing that you wanted to mention, this kind of transitions to that. But Scotty, your team made a trade. The Seattle Seahawks made a trade with my Chicago Bears. And that was the uh, 208th overall pick in exchange for the 217th overall pick. Um, <laughs> but uh, you did get Clock an off- you did get an offensive tackle in Stone Forsyth, his name is from, uh, uh, he's an offensive tackle from Florida. The interesting thing about this that I, I did want to bring up, this is why I did bring it up, other than the fact that his name's fucking Stone. <laughs> that was the only thing I was taking away electric. from it. He was, he was born to be an offensive lineman. Exactly. Quarterback. Exactly. The, only, the other reason why I bring that up is because this, uh, Seattle made this pick at 208. Um, they traded, they got this pick from a trade from Chicago 
who got that pick, who got this pick in a trade from Miami, who got this pick in a trade from Seattle. <laughs> oh, so we just got our original pick. Cool. Yeah, Seattle ended up with yes. their original pick again. That's some draft day shit right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, Pete Carroll, do your thing. Yeah, do your thing. Speaking and of also, draft quick shout out, quick shout out to, for Ian Book. Notre Dame quarterback yes. selected in the fourth round, a little one thirty-third yeah. overall to the New Orleans Saints. Let's hope. Let's hope the Saints just bring in the gold helmets. You know, just keep them feeling comfortable with the gold helmet. <laughs> well, yeah, he'll he'll now be wearing a gold helmet with a little black fleur de lis on it. He's gonna like. I think he's gonna look pretty good in the Saints colors. He'll battle for that position with uh, Jameis Winston and Winston future Obama. MVP. Taysom Hill as well, and there too. Uh, Ian Buck will be the third string to start it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see what happens from there. He's gonna, I always figured he was not going to be an NFL quarterback very long, but it's nice to see him get drafted in there. Well, the thing that uh, I have said about Taysom Hill as well is that his position is essentially just wildcat. But on that note, uh, Brock, I hear you have something that you want to take us away on. Yeah, so real quick, right before I take you guys out, I got a couple quick tire fires if you guys want to throw some in afterwards. But draft day, it's exciting. Uh, nobody watches draft from start to finish except for the analysts. Um, so you every single pick, every single minute, sure, go on. Uh, I don't, but a couple things I've seen pop up. The Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia. Thank you, Scotty. You can't go a whole episode without you making fun of me. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Cut that. Philadelphia Here's a tire Eagles. Fire. <laughs> yeah, that's a tire fire. Philadelphia Eagles war room, uh, where Howie Roseman makes a third round pick, goes around fist pumping all of the executives, and one older looking gentleman just completely being unwilling, to, unwilling to give him a fist pump back. And then for the last five seconds of the video, you see them kind of arguing, putting their hands up, being like, what's wrong? The guy looks like he kind of was there when the Eagles were bought in like 1970. So like, he's probably thinking, can I at least give one input? Uh, it's kind of the same as the money ball where it's the whole, you know, you bringing in a guy younger than me and I've been here for 25 years of senior scouting experience. So that was one of the tire fires. Also kudos to the Packers for being relevant still where they had drafted Clemson receiver Amari Rogers and the social media team posted the Rogers number eight jersey in the locker room saying we're excited to have Rogers join the team. So oh, wow, that was so, that oh. didn't age well like a fine wine. So that, that so that'll incredible. lead me in. So that'll lead me into my two tire fires, which are still both lead with football. So one of them is the draft is during draft day. Cowboys war room. Uh, this is a combination between them and the NFL people for just having the worst camera coordination ever. Every time they panned, the two times they panned to the Cowboys war room, it was empty. <laughs> it was just, they were like, yeah, we're not, you know what? We're just not, we, uh, we can see their picks this year. Like, they just were non-existent. So that's one of mine that it's just like, we got to be better. We got to at least, even Belichick left his dog in there last year so we could at least have something on TV. Not just a bunch of chairs and a computer. So at least give me something. A stuffed animal. I don't care. Just something on the TV to look at, to laugh at. Uh, and the other one is uh, <laughs> the other one is the Aaron Rodgers situation. How much of a zoo the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are just between each other. He's outright said that he if unless the situation gets better to his liking, he's considering retiring and just not even going to another team, but honestly, cause, well, cause he can't just get released. He has to be 
traded and the Packers just went, we're not going to trade you. And well, I'll just retire if you don't, if you don't do what I want. So real big uh, yikes situation. And it clearly is happened. So it's happened to the last two franchise quarterbacks they've had Barr and Rodgers have just been like, so you guys just totally messed up right at the last year of my contract. <laughs> like what Love are you that. doing? And the with last, that one, being last said, one I got just, real quick to last one. I got the last tire fire. I have Tim, Tim, Tim Tebow being an attention whore, uh, making sure his name was relevant in draft day around noon mountain center time saying he's training to become the Jaguars tight end. Uh, so Tim Tebow always finding a way to be relevant in the news. Apparently he lives like a couple doors down from urban Meyer. So yeah, they were talking about, he might just start sprinting in front of his house saying I'm, I'm, I'm tight end ready. So Tim Tebow always finding a way to make his presence in the news, uh, especially draft day. So good on him for that. Go ahead, Brett. No, that I didn't have mine was in response to something else. So it's all good. Uh, on that note, let's wrap it up there. Uh, Brock, you got the floor, my friend. Well, a fine woman is going to produce this song. We got Gloria Estevan's conga. Going to play a little conga for you guys. So, you know, high spirit Saturday night. We're going to play a little conga every time I pick a song. Hopefully everybody enjoys it. So um, thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, enjoy your week. Listen to the Gambling Corner picks. Here we go. Come on, check your body, baby. Do that conga.